0: This episode is brought to you by Rose, the spreadsheet where data comes to life. Connected with your business data and delightful to share, Rose is how teams work with numbers and share their results. Head to rose.com slash venture Europe and find out how you can easily manage your cap table, plan your next fundraising round, or import data from your favorite tools. I already moved my spreadsheet to Rose and you can too. See for yourself how you can make your data come to life for free and visit rose.com slash venture Europe. That is R-O-W-S dot com slash venture Europe. I have already prepared some templates like cohort analysis, fundraising tracker, and cap table management, which I'm sure you'll find useful. This episode is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. If you're like me and travel a lot and sometimes have hectic days, AG1 will become your most reliable friend. AG1 further covers my bases with vitamins, minerals, and whole food source micronutrients that support gut health and immune system. I'm a sucker for morning routines and I started using AG1 three months ago. One scoop, 250 milliliters of water, 75 high quality ingredients perfectly crafted to be well absorbed by the body, for a strong start of the day every day. With the 90-day money-back guarantee, you can test AG1 completely risk-free for three months. If you find that it doesn't meet your needs, you can get your money back, no questions asked. Right now, Athletic Greens is offering you, their listeners of the Venture Europe podcast, a free year's supply of vitamin D3 and K2, which contributes to the maintenance of bones, teeth, muscle, and immune system, plus five AG1 travel packs when signing for a monthly membership. Visit athleticgreens.com .com/ventureeurope try it risk free for 90 days support your nutrient supply and start a new healthy routine Top health experts and performers like Tim Ferriss, Andrew Huberman, and Lewis Hamilton recommend Athletic Greens. It also tastes great. Visit athleticgreens.com slash Venture Europe to taste for yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome to a new episode of Venture Europe with me, Colleen Fabry. Our guest today is Cohen Tyson, founder and CEO of Insify. At Insify, they modernize the insurance market for Europe's small and medium companies. Prior to founding Insify, Kuhn was the founder and CFO of Blue Moon, a subscription based flower business disrupting the $60 billion flower industry. In 2021, Blue Moon was acquired by Bloom and Wild. 12 months ago, they've raised with Insify a $17 million round led by Excel with participation from Visionaries Club and Frontline to expand into more markets. During this episode, we discuss about the Rocket Internet Mafia and why there are so many great entrepreneurs coming out of it. Formula One for entrepreneurship is the way he described it. Also, we discuss how he stumbled upon a huge market while insuring goods at Blue Moon and his set of criteria when starting a new business. Without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Kuhn Tyson, Founder and CEO of Insify.
1: Hi, Luca from Axel here. If you think about Europe, small businesses are engine of economic growth. There's roughly 25 million small businesses account for more than 50% of GDP and creates probably more than 80% of new jobs as a whole in Europe and this is even before we are in freelancers. These businesses currently spend more than $70 of commercial insurance premium each year. And this is even before considering the significant coverage gaps and under-insurance resulting from today's painful purchasing journeys. At the end of the day, we think that entrepreneurs and small businesses really need to be better served. So we were looking for a company that wanted to change that. And Kuhn and the team really had the best products with the best approach and by far the vision that was the most aligned with us as a whole. So we decided to join forces and that's why we're
2: back to team. Hi, I'm Locked, Phonic Partner of Visionaries. We've been incredibly excited to back Kuhn and his team at Insify because you know, overall we're very excited about the opportunity to build software for SMEs because we think it's the most underserved segment globally, but it's also the largest market globally. And if you look at some of the success stories in the last years with Deal, Presonio, Leapsam, and all those companies serving SME customers, I think if you look at the insurance space, it's maybe the space where there hasn't been really any product developed by the big incumbents to really serve SME businesses. Building insurance for SMEs in our view is one of the biggest categories globally and we were very excited by Koon and his team because Koon is a very, very product-driven founder with a very strong product DNA, has been already successful in the past as an entrepreneur and really found a way building a product that is not just a landing page, basically navigating decisions for SMEs on insurance, but really allowing to redesign the insurance product. That's really what got us excited and we couldn't be more happy working together. Hey, Cohen. How it? Good, with you. Alles gut,
0: alles gut. (laughs) This is like the only thing that I can say after four years in Amsterdam. I feel a little bit embarrassed, I must say.
3: You can practice some more in the next couple of minutes if you like.
0: Sounds good. Sounds (laughs) sounds like a good idea. But I think this is going to take actually longer than 30 minutes for me to be able to say a sentence. But thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time. Very much appreciated. I think I actually recognize the background. Are you at Capital C now?
3: Yeah, that's right. We have our office here and uh, dialing in f- from there.
0: Pretty cool. Uh, I was actually located also at Capital C for a couple of years before moving to Stockholm. It's a beautiful building with a great view over the Amsterdam city.
3: It is, and it's, a, it's an old uh, diamond exchange. It's a building with a, with a lot of heritage, I would say, and a great place to be sitting as sort of a diamond in the rough that we're <laughs> building and still polishing.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Like a startup. Every startup is a diamond in the rough. Let's maybe start with the story and your journey at Rocket. Um, You've been with Rocket for three years. And I was wondering, what's the secret sauce of Rocket Internet? Because I know a lot of exceptional people that used to work there.
3: One of the things that Oliver Sommer, the founder of Rocket, realized quite early on that in order to build a company, you need great talent. and realized he could find quite a bit of talent at large consulting firms and investment banking. And the funny thing was that sort of demographic was also a demographic that naturally at some point of their careers get to a point whereby you realize that you actually want to become a founder yourself as well or do something more entrepreneurial. But being a banker or a consultant, you're naturally risk averse, you probably actually don't have relevant experience to run a company, you have not gotten a lot of savings in. So you also don't have the capital to start one and probably you also don't have the right inspiration or idea yet. And that's kind of where, where Rocket came along and kind of had a very convincing story, which was that's the formula one of entrepreneurship. And you'll learn how to build a venture and a business. And I think to be honest, if anything, Rocket really lived up to that promise. And I think in that sense, it was kind of almost an MBA for a lot of talented people uh, who then later had sort of that skill set whereby suddenly they realized, okay, I can actually raise capital. They realized how you find ideas and develop your own. They actually had experience in building it from the ground up. And suddenly that becomes a very, yeah, good set of ingredients to then become a founder yourself. And that was for a lot of my colleagues at Rocket The Case and ultimately also for myself.
0: Formula one for wannabe entrepreneurs.
3: Yeah, I remember it, it was in my offer email by Oli. Oli had this template that I used for, for everyone. But yeah, that was one of those sentences that really stuck with me.
0: Do you remember any moments from your time at Rocket Internet that actually impacted your entrepreneurial mindset?
3: There was this one call and it was quite famous within the, the company. Oli had made a, a spreadsheet and that spreadsheet had for every country in the world that had a column, literally every, co- I think there were like 200 columns in there. And then for every business model that was a web-based business model, there was a row. And that started with like Amazon, eBay, Auto Scout, Emo Scout, everything. And then for each and every country that it was present, yes or no. And if it wasn't, Ollie wanted to go there. And I ended up going to Burma of all places and later from Burma also to Bangladesh and Pakistan. And and after that, fortunately, also some countries that were a bit more mainstream like Indonesia and Philippines. But it kind of opened up my mind in this. This is not a a Netherlands or Germany only thing. You, You can think a lot bigger when you build a venture. And it's actually going abroad is not as challenging as one might think or actually it is pretty challenging but it's a challenge you should definitely try and can be very rewarding if you succeed.
0: And what was the gap in Bangladesh on the excel sheet?
3: There were so many gaps. I went to Burma first, Myanmar and it was an interesting one because it was a country that Just started to open up. 60 million people. So quite a a big demographic. But literally not a single website being there. (laughs) When you you realize that only half a million people back then were online. That kind of made sense. So pretty quickly we had the market. But (laughs) there were not a lot of addressable market wasn't that big in that uh, country but it was really interesting because it did change in a, in a four-year time span with the uh, sort of the arrival of cheap android phones and that country opened up there was more foreign investment and the market sort of exploded unfortunately now at all it has also imploded but once again given the political turmoil there but it was definitely interesting period, a very pioneering period. To give one example, we didn't have a bank account in the first two years. So every month I would go to Schiphol. There was a little bank office there of ABN. I would withdraw $50,000 in cash, put it in my backpack and fly to Burma to pay the local staff. Which also teaches you a lot, right? There are even such a challenge that there's not a bank account. and are no ATMs in, in the country which are active. Even such a challenge you can... Yeah, you can still navigate, there's still a solution to uh, be found.
0: Interesting. I do assume that it trains your mindset to look at anything as a problem. And for any problem, there is a solution, regardless that it's a bank account, hiring, or whatever you want to do.
3: Yeah, that's that's right. Basically, as an entrepreneur, especially as a founder, I constantly have a list of uh, problems to address. But the good thing is that list, it does change over time. And my girlfriend always says that, look, I always hear Gunn sort of talk about his problems or his challenges, but I hardly ever hear the same problem twice. And that's a good sign.
0: So Formula One for entrepreneurship, you're in banking, you go with Rocket for three years, and then you decide, look, I want to have something of my own. Tell us the story of Blue Moon. Yeah, what were the key learnings from that journey that maybe you took with you?
3: So at Rocket, one of the, the, the ventures I, I spent a lot of time on initially was HelloFresh. Initially, uh, it was a massive challenge, very difficult to get off the ground. But as the years progressed, that venture took off and we realized, hey, this subscription model, it's so powerful. What, what else can we do with it? We made a list uh, different sort of items, and you can be set it on subscription. And uh, finally, flowers had some of the characteristics that we saw in food as well. But I think there were also a few errors in our judgment there as well, a few learnings. So after a couple of years, when I started thinking about Insify, I, I definitely had a couple of criteria, like no perishable good. Not something that doesn't fit through the letterbox. box. There's time sensitive, That is low margin, low basket value. There were definitely a few challenges in that space.
0: So those are like the key learnings on the key criteria because you had these challenges and like, I don't want to go through this again.
3: It was definitely, a, but look, in some sense it was worth it as well because the, the, the benefit of going into a tough space is that once you're in there and you establish yourself, it becomes very difficult for a second or third mover to come in and still grab that market away from you. So ultimately, we did manage to build a valuable company. But yeah, going through that pain of scaling up and that uphill battle constantly, that was a very important requirement. And I started thinking about my next venture.
0: Do you remember exactly the moment that you start thinking about your next venture like where were you in the journey how did the idea come to be how did you go to explore and talk with people did you make an excel like an excel list again just to make sure that your assumptions are correct
3: yeah actually, quite finally I didn't make an excel sheet this time around it was sort of first hand experience and came early on in, in the journey with with boomon started when we we started having building a team. At some point I started thinking, what if something happens to my employees? They're driving to our production facility, they're working there. What if anything gets anyone gets hurt? We are liable. I need to have an insurance. So I, I tried to do that online and it didn't work. Business insurance is just not provided online. So I called an insurance company they said well we don't sell directly to customers you have to go find an intermediary so a couple of weeks later i have an intermediary visiting my office very stereotypical experience 56 year old white male leather folder under his arm comes to the office basically to build a relationship and to give advice and that's basically that advice is a pretext for selling you insurance and it was such an annoying process first you're having like one and a half hours of cups and coffee with this guy. But then two weeks later, in my email, I get sign up forms, PDFs, need to print it, fill it out, send it back. It's super annoying. But it, it got worse. Oh, it was really horrible. So ultimately, we got the insurance. Took a while, but okay. But three years in, we just switched offices, new offices, and we got a burglary. And 10 laptops were stolen. And for us, you know, this hurt. It was, there was for us a lot of money. Mm-hmm. first time I actually need insurance. So I, I handed in the claim, and claim got rejected. And why? Because we had just switched offices, and we hadn't updated our insurance policy, and hence no coverage. And the funny thing was, updating the coverage would have not cost us anything. The premium wouldn't have changed. And we had been a loyal customer for so long, but we hadn't done that, hence no coverage. And uh, hence, I didn't get to have the benefit of my in- insurance. I was just flabbergasted. And the worst thing was, I didn't even change insurance companies afterwards because there was no alternative. <laughs> and I realized, what am I doing in Flowers if if there is a sector that is that is literally 10, 20 times bigger as some of the biggest companies out there are insurance companies. And they yeah. get away with such a bad customer experience. Well, that must be a beautiful sector. I want to be part of that. So that <laughs> sort of... There was a seed planted there. And then, then a couple of years later I made the switch and I started insifying.
0: What was the first step You experienced the problem firsthand? There's no alternative. And I'm like, look, I'm just going to build this. What's the first step?
3: Yeah. Th- that first step was super challenging. I literally, I quit Bloom on, I sat at home, kitchen table, blank sheet of paper. What do I actually need? How am I going to get there? And it was literally kind of making a list. So I need a license. I need a bit of a team. I need an insurance company that wants to work with me. And I had a couple of items on that list. And basically every day I would start, I would get that list out. And then I tried to think like, what can I do on these topics to actually take that one step forward? And I would constantly go through this cycle of what are these problems that I need to fix. I ultimately managed to apply for a license, found an initial team that I was also excited about disrupting the space. And more importantly, I also found a way into these large anonymous insurance companies and started chatting to them why they should be working with us.
0: How long did it take from kitchen table, blank sheet of paper, writing what you need to first client?
3: I think 10, 12 months.
0: But were you licensed? So did you manage to get licensed in uh, such a short period? I've heard a lot of insurance startups that actually getting a license, it's a a hassle.
3: Yeah, Yeah, so I realized that starting as a full stack insurer, as they call it these days, that was becoming a full stack insurer is like a two year process that would have taken too long. But becoming a broker or an MGA, getting a license was more doable. I look, when I asked around in the industry, they told me, yeah, that's not doable. The regulator doesn't like newcomers, especially when you don't have experience in the space. They definitely don't like it. So you're probably not going to get a license. But yeah, it was a matter of trying also hiring the right talent, bringing people on board with experience. It felt long, those 10, 12 months, because if you compare it to the previous venture, we sort of had an idea one month later, we were live with an MVP. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, in a regulated industry, that's obviously different.
0: Who is this guy with experience in uh, flowers and he wants to build an insurance company? <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah. And then I and I had to explain to the regulator how my experience was actually relevant. But I also did the, the hard work in terms of uh, doing some, following some courses, getting a diploma and stuff. That also helped uh, signaling the, the commitment. And ultimately I also found a couple of people who'd been in the sector for literally a couple of decades that said, I believe in this and I'll I'll help to get you going. And that that also made a big difference.
0: Give me a sense where you are at the moment with NCFI.
3: Yeah, so we actually just launched our third country, 29th of December, 2022, we still managed to go live in France. That means today we are in the Netherlands, Germany, France, and there are about 50 people. And it's quite a change. So sort of 12 months ago, we were still 14 people in just the Netherlands. We've had a very, very busy year. Also, we have a lot of growth. We, we've grown almost 5X in, in one year. So it's been a been an exciting journey so far
0: when you look to to the intify journey like what were the most challenging periods
3: the most challenging is really that getting that ball rolling and going from from zero to one and for a long time i also had this this thought in my head if i only manage to sell one insurance policy you know i've beaten the odds i've beaten the expectations so it, if it's just if it comes down to just that, that's also fine. Now it, it has really changed because there's a team, we have partners, and there's this momentum, and it's a lot easier to get that, make that snowball bigger and bigger. But that initial, you know, getting the license there, getting the partner there, yeah, that was that was super challenging. And now it becomes really a lot easier because there's track record, we have great results in terms of growth, but also in terms of how we perform underwriting, our risk selection, our fraud detection. is We've built some really unique technology. And then suddenly you have that track record and it becomes a lot easier to find partners, both on the supply side as well as the distribution side. Find talent becomes easier. Finding capital becomes easier. So the hard part is really in the, in, in the start.
0: I wanted to touch a little bit upon, so you raised 12 months ago, about 17 million to that was a little bit of a crazy market, right? Like in, in fintech, I would assume that the valuations were quite crazy, probably a multiple of, I don't know, 50 or 100 revenue. As a CEO, how difficult it is right now to manage and grow into the valuation now that the public markets are at such a low price
3: a really good question what i ultimately feel is really important in such an environment is a year ago we showed the investor community basically a plan and a certain ambition and what has been like a crystal clear focus for the entire team is delivering on that plan and not letting any timeline slip making sure we hit our growth targets in terms of customers, in terms of premiums, but also making sure we didn't go overboard burn-wise or accepted certain unit economics kind of marketing spend that was out of whack. So just really still, on the one hand, delivering what we promised we would deliver, and then on the other hand, having an underlying plan that economically makes sense. I think that is the best way of protecting your business and just build a business that It's a good business in in any environment and not just a good business in a crazy funding environment. And I think we're fortunate in our space, right? It's a large market. It's a profitable market. It's a proven market. There's a lot of comfort for investors as well with the space.
0: It kind of seems that venture capital is just very cyclical by default. It's just built in cyclicality with the business cycles. And you are on one hand pushed to grow almost at all costs when the market is booming and then pushed to cut almost all all costs when the market is not kind of growing. So being disciplined across the business cycle in ups and downs, I think it just takes a lot of courage.
3: I think courage puts it in, in the right way. And I think it's also not getting ahead of yourself in the sense like last year, it was not right because it was crazy this year is probably not right, but because it's so depressed. So mm-hmm. the truth lies somewhere s- somewhere in the middle. I also tr- strongly feel that building a great company uh, takes a minimum of 10 years. And that means in a normal sort of economical cycle, you'll have one or two booms and you have one or two busts. And I think it's, it's making sure kind of, you navigate th- through that and you don't go crazy when the boom is there. And hopefully that will put you in a better position when the bust is there.
0: Absolutely agree. So let's change gears a little bit. Let's get personal. Did you have any moments in your journey where you thought that Intify might not work out?
3: I think it was never sort of a yes or no. We have a number of values in in our company and one of them is grit. And grit is passion, perseverance and just hard work. And we knew going into this sector, this is not going to be easy. It's regulated. There are large incumbents. They're well entrenched. They often almost have a monopoly. A lot of firms have tried and failed to disrupt this space. So this is not going to be a, a walk in the park. But we made that a, a value in our company. We push on even when everybody else tells, tells you it can't be done. And so We've naturally had stuff being thrown us: requirements, capital requirements, regulatory requirements, uh, governance, requ- all these sorts of stuff. And we've always just kind of uh, <laughs> taken a deep breath and then kind of Try to get that problem away and be pragmatic and address it and find a solution. And in the worst case, uh, it has sometimes the uh, delay to go live, uh, sometimes by a sometimes by week, a few times, maybe even by one or two months, but then, uh, then we mm-hmm. always manage to get there. And I think now that b- becomes a different sort of dynamic in the company. So we, we had our kickoff, our Q1 kickoff Monday. And if you ask the team, what, made you really, what makes you really proud to be part of Insify, mm-hmm. it's like, we stick to what we commit to and we get mm-hmm. there so the dynamic is kind of kind of flipped and i think that that is really really good but there were definitely a couple of challenges on the way that were really horrible to navigate
0: and what is the best and worst advice you have received
3: Really good question, and and when I saw it in preparation of this interview, it was, I think, one of the most thought-provoking questions I've seen in a long time. Best advice was definitely that you hardly ever overpay great employees or great team members. You might pay them a lot, but the best members of your team will move the company forward like you can't even do it yourself, a strong recommendation. I'm not sure everyone anyone ever recommended me on the other side, but the worst advice would have been to go to trade shows or trade fairs or networking <laughs> events. In the last couple of years, I come to the realization that I find these typically a complete waste of time because <laughs> you typically only speak to people you already know. And mm-hmm. at these conferences, typically nobody listens to who's on stage. So my new year's resolution for 2023 is avoiding conferences as much as I can. Yeah, so anybody r- recommending you to go to a, a trade show or trade fair or whatever, a big event, I check for the quality of that advice.
0: If Cohen from 10 years ago would listen to this episode, what would you tell him?
3: Ooh, yeah. Um, What would I tell him? I think I would probably tell him, it's good that you didn't know what was ahead. Looking back, I've often felt, building a business in this regulated insurance space is kind of climbing a mountain. And sometimes it's good that you can't really see the peak and what is between where you are today vis-a-vis where you need to be in a couple of a couple of months or a couple of years from now. So probably 10 years from now, I'll realize this was a lot more difficult than I had anticipated. Uh, I just hope I got away with it nevertheless.
0: <laughs> love it, love it. Always just focus on next step and not the big peak on the mountain. Cohen, thank you very much for taking the time. This was a pleasure.
3: My pleasure.